Org. Iowa's live news center, News Radio Tech Show. Well, the game may be over, but the best Hawkeye analysis is just getting started. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Ross Peterson and Travis Justice are taking your calls. Sound Off. This is your home for the Hawkeyes. News Radio 1040, WHO. Third and final hour of. The Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off on News Radio 1040 WHO. Are your headphones acting up on you over yes, there? Yes, that's weird. It's like... G- <laughs> You're on the air. That is... I hear you. You're sounding great. They're gone again. Well, here. You want me to take some phone calls while you fiddle around? Yes. Jeez. Quit playing with your adapter. Shane calling from Indianola. Thanks for calling Jethro's Sound Off. Shane, how are you, sir? Hi. I'm all right. I just... Uh, got off work an hour ago. Actually, I've been sitting in the parking lot of my uh, work at Casey's for like an hour, just you know, just chilling out. Uh, just kind of like thinking about things that you know. I, I didn't see the game today. I got to stop out maybe like most of the first quarter before I had to go to work. But what I've kind of noticed is that I mean, a lot of people say that we rely on the run too much. But the thing is about it, Akramonli is just—he's so good. You can you expect it. But the thing is, you don't know where he's going to go, you know? He, he's he's so elusive, and he can, you know, he really operates the field really well. And, you know, he's going to be playing on Sundays pretty soon. But He had 17 I, carries for 30 yards. <laughs> yeah, and today just wasn't a very good, uh, you know, day for him. And, you know, I, I heard about that. and You know, it's just everybody has their off days, you know. But what I really think today came down to and I, you know, I'm thinking about the Penn State game too. Is it's the home field advantage? You know, do you really think that we could? You know, you saw what happened at Happy Valley last year when Iowa went there. You know, do you think that Iowa would have, you know, been able to do what they did last week against Penn State at Happy Valley? No. They, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's just something about home field advantage is huge in the Big Ten with Michigan. Do you think we would would have been able to beat Michigan at the Big House last year? I was at that game. I don't think we would have been able to beat Michigan last year at the Big House. And, you know, it just all comes it just all comes down to home field advantage. You know, especially under the lights at Kinnick Stadium. It's just that kind of energy, you know? We have some of the craziest fans in the entire world. And, you know? No, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I think that, you know, some of the, I think that first drive was huge for I, Michigan State. Today. I would agree with you on that. Because, like, I because you know what I've kind of noticed about the Iowa defense, I see it a lot, even last year. You know, it's just all about figuring out the offense, and Iowa had a hard time doing that today in the first drive. And you know, that was a huge drive, and Iowa got the defensive stops. Michigan State missed a field goal. We stopped them on a fourth down. But you know, I think that you know one of the biggest reasons why we lost it is really the home field advantage. I, oh, I, I think there's something okay. to that. I would I would say that, um, you know, I said this earlier in the show, and I don't think you probably heard it, is that I think these two teams are very similar. They're very close. And if this was played in Iowa City, it would probably be reversed. Um, but here's the deal. Iowa couldn't get into a rhythm, and we were just talking about it off the air. And, Shane, thanks for calling. That Chad yeah. Lastico said that coming out of the locker room, it was about execution. Yeah, that's what the, he says. The most common theme from the players' interviews is lack of execution. And, and execution has to be a mindset that is from the top down. And what I mean by that, Tuesday night, Ross, I was fortunate enough 
to be in the presence of Ronnie Lott. And very cool. Yes, he was at your son's high, high school, school speaking. Yeah, I think yeah, I saw this. Yeah, okay. he's at my son's high school speaking. And they they came up. With why were you able to be successful all those years? You know, from high school to USC to the San Francisco 49ers. They really got in the 49ers. And he said it was an expectation of excellence. He goes, if you look at the Patriots right now, if you look at Alabama right now, if you look at the 49ers teams that he was on, yeah. there was an expectation from the top down of excellence. And the only thing that was going to be tolerated was excellence. It, it was excellence at practice. It was excellence off the field, it yeah. was excellence in every single phase that you have. And if you don't have everybody on the same page of excellence, and look at the great teams. You go to Alabama, go to USC. Yeah, you can take it across sport. To, to, yeah, I mean, to, it, move to basketball. This is how dynasties get built yes. and maintained because there's that expectation of excellence that comes with those. And with excellence comes yeah, execution. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was very motivated. I mean, and you know Ronnie Lott. I mean, the guy... I, I, let him cut a finger off so yes. you keep playing football. Yes. <laughs> we know Ronnie Lott. <laughs> this is the other thing we haven't mentioned yet today, Travis. And you've said a couple times about how close these two teams are. And we know that by looking at the history, the recent yeah. history of these squads. Your margin of error is so slim. And when you have two turnovers and the other team has zero, when you have key penalties, and and Penn, or Michigan State did have a few key penalties. I'm thinking of... Uh, when when we had the flopping penalties, uh, Penn State was looking at a fourth and one. They were going to go for it. They had the false start, which moved them back five yards. And then Iowa had that weird, like, fake signal thing. You're talking about this. Oh, well, they moved again on offense. This is going to cost them another five. Well, now they'll have to punt. Now they'll have to punt. If you're accurate, Edward, and... Uh... You always are. Or, well, no, I don't know why it's taking so well, long. Well, they're arguing, that Michigan State's arguing that Iowa penetrated the neutral zone. Delay a game, defense, disconcerting signals, five yard penalty, it remains fourth down. What? What did they say they did? Something about signals. I. I that's a new one on me. Well, you, you, you can't yell the other team's signals. That would be right. Disconcerting signals yes. is what I was trying to come up with there. So you get those weird penalties that uh, Michigan State had. But for the most part, Iowa's penalties seem to be a lot more uh, painful. Yes. And then, of course, those uh, turnovers. You, just, you don't have that type of margin of error there. 284-1040. He's been on hold for over a half hour. Let's wow. go to Brent in Des Moines. Brent. Welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Hey guys, um, my my biggest thing, you know, in terms of football, that if you want to be successful offensively, that the number one thing that you have to have over anything else. I don't care if you have the greatest skill players. I don't have. I don't care if you have a great quarterback. I don't care if you have great running backs. I don't care if you have great play calling. It doesn't matter. If you can't block anybody, you're not going to be successful. And we have we have a definite issue in the offensive line. And I, I hear all the excuses in the world and all these things about talent, which is the most overrated word in sports, talent. Everybody has talent. 
Good point. But there are guys not getting it done up front that are playing game after game, especially in the interior, the guards in the center. You can't run plays when you're getting shoved three yards into your own backfield. Okay, you can't you can't run plays when you're whiffing on blocks continually. I mean, it just isn't going to work. And you can try all this fancy stuff, and you can try all of these different players, but it's just not going to work. Brent, what do you think? What do you think the answer? You think they need more consistency there? You think that that unit needs more time as a as a five? No, absolutely not. I think it's time to change players. Okay. The first thing I the first thing I do is bring in Tristan Works and put him at, at right tackle. He's a he's a young kid. You've already blown his red shirt, but he's six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds, and he played in the U.S. Army All American game last year. We're five, what five games into the season? We're almost halfway through the season. It's time to put him at right tackle. Okay, that would allow you to move Welsh back into guard. Okay, I'd put Keegan Render on the bench. He hasn't blocked anybody all year, and he's just—he's a—he got, got beat a couple times today oh, too, Brent. A couple times. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, how many more times can you get beat? I mean, it was game one. He was a center. Remember getting shoved in the backfield, and everybody made excuses about that. Time to put him on the bench. He's not getting it done. I give Ross Reynolds the first shot at left guard. Boone Myers isn't getting it done. He's missing continual blocks. They had a we, we had a nice little sweep play to Akron Wadley going left. <clears throat> the Michigan State defender basically ran right through Boone Myers and stuffed Wadley. And they, Myers had him squared up and let him go right through. What do you think about Jackson at left tackle? Um, I, I like him a lot. Young player, he's doing a nice job. He's not getting beat on the edge much. Yeah, he may not be devastating the run game yet, but he's he's something we can build on. But my point is, I go with. I think it's the interior, it's the center, and two guards. Daniels has a lot of height, but boy, he gets he gets blown up a lot too. Those three guys are getting blown up between Myers, Daniels, and Render. Those guys are getting blown and, up. And not all an excuse. Not an excuse, Brent. They are taking on a, a heavy load. I mean, they're. Uh, they're they're blocking seven guys most places. No 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 they're not you guys. You have to go back and watch the film. I challenge you to go back and just watch the line play by itself. You will see they are getting blown up on one on one matchups. Okay, they're not blocking two guys. That's a that's a fallacy. Just because they run a lot of guys up the line of scrimmage doesn't mean everybody's coming. Just just watch the watch DVR the game and sit there and just watch the line play. Don't watch where the ball is going. Don't watch the backs. Don't watch the receivers. Watch the line play, and you'll see a whole different thing. It's just, but that—that's the number one issue with this team, offensively. And it, but it, we want to blame everything else but the offensive line, and it's been an issue, and that's why we're getting blown out in bowl games because we look great against the crappy teams. We can handle the crappy teams even if we don't play well up front because all Akram needs is a little crease, and he—he he makes the yardage. It's not the line. Okay, he needs just a little hole. But when you when you're playing Illinois, like we'll look great next week. We'll look like we're this fabulous team against one of the world's worst teams. Yeah, and we think we're all got all our problems fixed. We don't. So that's exactly what happens every time we go out to a bowl game. You, you know, by you're looking great against some teams that aren't that good, and all of a sudden, you, the first time you're running against somebody that with, with good athletes and can win those one on one matchups, I mean, we look terrible, don't we? Our bowl game performances have been horrible. You know, my point is, you solve the offensive line, and we will look much better offensively. Great phone call, Brent. Thanks, Great Brent. Call. Good stuff. See you, buddy. Matter of fact, even on Twitter, Lon Schulter says, Amen, caller. And I think he was talking to Brent. 284-1040. 284-1040. It's a late Saturday night on News Radio 1040 WHO, the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. 
Hawkeyes lose. Tough one today. Never really got into it. They were down 14 nothing. Weird day all around. It really was. It was weird energy. Felt like it was strange around WHO here. Strange on the broadcast. Yeah, only three points scored the entire second half. Weird, man. Iowa got that field goal to make it 17-10, and that was it. That was in the fourth quarter. Let's go to CJ and Ames. CJ, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Soundoff. What's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Doing well, bud. Hey, uh, was that Tim Polisek or was that Brent calling on that last, <laughs> that last call? <laughs> that was a great yeah, – it was but, funny. went to break, and Travis goes, man, Brent's a really smart guy. So, yeah, he uh, is. Yeah, he's smarter than all of us, the coaching staff included. Um I will agree with one thing. I think that uh, they need to get Sean Welsh over to, to right guard. I don't think he's a natural tackle at all. Um, I have noticed that. I'm not an expert by any means on the offensive line, but they need to get him back over to guard. Uh, I know Tristan Wirth is banged up. I don't know his. Maybe you guys can fill me in on his injury status. You know, we're uh, gonna get we're gonna get Rob Howe on from HawkeyeNation.com. I know we've been saying okay. that for about an hour here, but Rob's been kind of in and out of cell service. Uh, we're hoping to get him on when we get uh, maybe about 10 minutes from right now. So maybe we can answer that question, CJ. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I do want to add one more thing. Just watching the other game on Fox tonight, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, and just saw we got it on. Nick Shimanek and, and Derek Willis. Just thought I'd throw that out there. They're kind of mounting, mounting a comeback for the Raiders here. They, so they, not only, they not only have mounted that comeback, they've done the comeback. It's, it's tied. 34-34 with 9.15 to play. Hey, have a great night, guys. Thank Thanks you, a lot. Appreciate that, CJ. You know, and that's the one thing I would say to Brent. Brent, our, our previous caller before the break, he knew his stuff, and he knew his, the, the offensive line. Tim Polisek, Brian Ferentz, and Kirk Ferentz, they know a lot more about offensive line play than I'll ever know. And I have a feeling they might know a little bit more than Brent. Brent's a brilliant dude, I want to say that. Uh, so I, I, I do defer to them. I know that's kind of a cop-out on this. But I do defer to those guys that they, they've got good eyes on this. When we get Rob on, we'll ask him about Wurfs. We'll ask him about uh, Welsh and Boone Myers also. Let's go to Blake. Blake, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Soundoff. What's up? Hey, how we doing? Good, doing good bud. i upset, but uh, I never played a down of football in my life. I've been a Hawkeye fan uh, most of my life. And what I want to know is how can Ferentz, be there as long as he has, getting paid what he is, and we've got a mediocre team most of the time, and now we've got, I don't know what we have, but it's very upsetting, and uh, I just about had it. I tell you, that that offensive line, when they voted them the best offensive line in the nation, Joe Moore again, never played a down in my life, and I'm like, they're nuts. We can't run anywhere. Um, we, we've got a problem and I don't know if it's attitude or if I don't know if capability, what, but, uh, we need to correct it. We need to correct it fast because I'm not sure I'm going to the Illinois game next week and I'm not sure we'll beat them. Oh, you'll beat Illinois next week. If not, <laughs> this show is going to be completely different. <laughs> this us listen <laughs> yeah. to radio next week. If I will lose. I mean, that's the, the reason I picked that week to go out of town. That was the must win. Yeah, I've backed my Hawkeyes in a lot of places, and uh, you skin noses because of it. But uh, I'm a diehard Hawkeye, and my whole my kids are, and everything. And and I don't know, it's just I, like they don't have the same fire, or something, something uh, wrong there. And I agree with that caller. Uh, I don't know why if they pull the red shirt off Tristan Worst, I heard he was hurt. 
but uh, we need to get him in there at least try. And I didn't think Boone Meyer should have been playing last year. I don't have a lot of confidence in him either. Did you think they played with fire, Blake, the previous two weeks? Against, oh, boy. Yeah, against Iowa State. Or I shouldn't say previous two because you had North Texas in there. I, I, but, you know, but Penn State, they played with fire. Oh, Iowa State, they played with fire. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I was – I was, uh, and I heard you guys say earlier uh, it was a – Moral victory in a way, you know. There's no such thing. Yeah, we don't. We like tried to, to steer clear of that, but that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was, I wasn't happy. But I was like, man, we're going to be tough. Yep. And I really thought we would put the hammer to Michigan State. And I missed part of the game, the first part of the game, and it was fourteen to nothing on the radio. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to go home and watch it, but I did. <laughs> but oh well, uh, like. Uh, Peyton Fry, always a hawk, and I always will be, but uh, I wish we could, uh, I don't know, I wish parents could get them going a little better. That's all i got to say about that, I guess. Appreciate Have the phone call. Night, guys. Thanks a lot, you Blake. Bet. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. You know, Blake's in the situation we're all in, Travis, uh, with the exception of who was our guy that called earlier, Brandon, that was the Cyclone fan. Yeah. What ninety nine percent of the people that are hearing our voice right now are diehard Hawkeye fans, and nothing's ever going to change that. You get disappointed after you watch a game like that, but man, I I don't know where the fire thing is. Kind of one of those cliches comes from, and I don't know why sometimes the game feels different. Today felt different. I mean, from from Ed and Gary's call to us watching the game together as a group, it just was a weird day. Just felt like the chemistry never was right. It didn't feel like the gears were meshing. And believe it, and it happens in sports more than you'd Absolutely like to realize. Absolutely right. Rob Howe from Hawkeye Nation scheduled to join us when we come back on News Radio 1040 WHO. Fox News Radio, I'm Chris DeMeo. President Trump unleashing a Twitter attack on San Juan's mayor Saturday, who's been critical of the federal relief effort. The president accusing Carmen Yulene Cruz of poor leadership ability, and Cruz responded. She says also on Twitter that the goal is one, saving lives. This is the time to show our true colors. We cannot be distracted by anything else. Fox's Kristen Fisher with the president in Branchburg, New Jersey. President Trump, meanwhile, saying it's important NFL players stand to Day and always for the national anthem. At least 10 teams are expected to stand together, some even locking arms during the anthem. Three NFL teams decided not to come out of the locker room at all for the anthem last week. The Steelers, Seattle Seahawks, and Tennessee Titans. Fox's Brian Yenis. Former game show host Monty Hall is dead. Hall was 96. Fox News. We report, you decide. A lot of people are going to be logging on to HawkeyeNation.com over the next 24, 48, 72 hours because, well, a lot of Hawkeye fans go to HawkeyeNation.com as they should. One guy you see a lot on HawkeyeNation.com is Rob Howe. Joins us now. How you doing, Rob? Tired, Travis. How are you? <laughs> Thanks I'm, for giving us time, man. You're tired. i got to drive two hours home, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Michigan, man. i got to drive six hours tomorrow. You, did you stay, Rob? I was hoping we weren't uh, weren't either keeping you up too late or calling you while you're you know you're driving through the sleepy hills of, of Michigan. No, 10, 10, 20 years ago, I probably would have tried to drive it home. And then some of the other Ohio media people said they were driving it home. I said, "I'm stopping a half hour south of Lansing, and I'll finish up tomorrow." Good for you. Buddy. Are you in a hotel or a motel? Do the doors open to the outside or the inside? <laughs> 
I am in a hotel, not a very high end hotel, but a hotel nonetheless. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, injuries, Rob. That's one of the things that you can usually give us great insight on. And we've had uh, some great calls here in the last couple of segments asking about offensive line and just trying to figure out what the the future of that offensive line is going to look like. And Tristan Wirfs obviously is a big name that gets brought up there. Where are we with Tristan Wirfs right now? Yeah, I didn't see him again today other than uh, special teams. I think he was in on the field goal, the fake field goal, and the and the uh, whatever it was, a 43-yarder. So I, it's hard to say, Ross. Um, you know, they Kirkin has said that he, you know, they're trying to work him in and, and seeing how the season goes. But it's kind of the same thing as, as Epinesa. Um, you know, we really aren't going to get any um, substantive type of comments on these guys. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, you know, I, I don't know that this all falls on the offensive line. I'm not saying you guys are saying that. Um, Nathan Stanley was very unsettled today. Um, that crowd got to him. A um, lot of audibles. Uh, and I was watching. I shot photos of the whole game on the field. Michigan State was get pretty much knew exactly what Iowa was doing. Mm. Not that that's a, a great revelation. We hear that a lot. Um, but even on the audibles, they they were they knew where he was going. They they forced him into those audibles and they took advantage of it. Um, he looked like a young quarterback today, um, and he did a little, he did quite a bit last week too. So I think that's where a lot of the growing pains are. Not to put it all on his feet, but it's the combination of that um, and teams just not going. They're not going to let Akron Wadley beat them. Trav, that's a combination of what we've heard from a lot of yeah. our listeners today. Home field advantage. Uh, causing uh, some issues, and we're yeah, Rob, you you hit it on the head. We're not trying to put that blame on the offensive line. We've had a few listeners that have pointed out that maybe we haven't been as critical of the offensive line as is deserving, and uh, I think that's fair. That uh, Hawkeye fans are coming to that realization that maybe this offensive line is not as dominant as a lot of us had hoped it would be in the uh, in the in the preseason you hit something on the head also Rob that I know you haven't had a chance to go back and watch the game on television so you wouldn't know this but during the broadcast they even pointed out that the Michigan State linebackers seemed to know exactly what Nate Stanley was audibling into yeah it was I uh, and I was noticing it from field level too it was pretty much almost the whole day they knew what he was doing and like I said they were forcing him into those audibles with looks and then he was giving them exactly what they wanted. And that's, that's part of, you know, the, the growing process that, you know, I think when we saw what he did against Iowa state and he was the big 10 player of the week that maybe we got a little far ahead of ourselves mm. and teams have adjusted to him and he's got to, he's got to adjust back now. Rob Howe joining us. Uh, he's from HawkeyeNation.com. Anything, you know, we, we saw today how important special teams are, and Kirk Ferentz talked about not being able to flip field position. Anything come up with the punting situation? Because uh, we've had a lot of people call about the punter. Yeah, that, that was another first spot today. And um, I was surprised because Ryan Gersande, the true freshman from Wisconsin, who they gave a scholarship to, he was warming up throughout that second half. And I really thought they were going to go to him. Um, but they, they stuck with, uh, with Rastetter for that last punt when they were deep in their own end, and it was going to be tough anyway at that point. But I would not be surprised if they switched that going forward. Um, uh, the the Gersonda kid must not just be showing them enough in practice for them for him to, to overtake Rastetter, but um, 
Yeah, that's definitely something they have to look forward to. That was critical today. Michigan State's punter, although his average wasn't great, he was consistently pinning Iowa back in, in inside of the 10-yard line. Rob, we had a listener named Jerry that wanted to know, I think this is a fair question as we look at this, because Manny Ragumba didn't play a lot. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, as you mentioned, didn't play a lot. We're all kind of scratching our head about uh, Ryan Gersande. You're limited on the number of, of guys you can dress on the road. Jerry says, can you explain why those guys traveled when you only have so many spots? Why waste a few of them? Yeah, it's hard to know for sure what they do. A lot of times, and they've done this in the past, they want to bring those younger guys on the road for them to get that feel, get that experience. That would be my guess because they brought Max Cooper today too, and he didn't play uh, the the freshman wide receiver from Wisconsin. Um, and Gersani, I think, I think that that punting job has just been so close throughout this season that they're that <laughs> I think they were ready to go to him today. It just they ran out of time. But I think there's a good chance that we could see a switch there going forward, uh, depending on a practice. Bergman was hurt during the week. He actually got hurt in last week's game, and they didn't realize it until Sunday. Mm. Um, and he practiced limited this week. He got better as the week goes, went on, but he wasn't. He didn't practice enough this week where they felt comfortable to put him in there. Seems but like Kirk did say, he, uh, excuse me, he, he did say that he expects Regarma to, to return next week. And Ojemudi got a little dinged up too, but I think he's okay. Yeah, sorry I tried to interrupt you there, Rob. We also had a, a few listeners who have noticed the uh, the absence of James Butler here, think he could have been a good guy to kind of uh, spell Akron Wadley, kind of a change of pace today might have made a difference. Where are we with James Butler? When can we expect his return? Um, Kirk is still saying it will be at least through the bye week, so you're okay. looking two weeks. So possibly for that Northwestern game, that will be the earliest that he comes back. Uh, Brandon Snyder was trying to get into the game today. I was watching him on the sideline. There were a few times where he was trying to get into the game today, and the, hmm. the coaches had to hold him back. So I won't <laughs> be surprised at all if we see him next week. That is amazing. That is just unreal, Travis. Kid tore his ACL. Wow. What? Man, it seems like weeks ago, Rob. Yeah, it was the beginning of April. It was like the it was the week before they went to West Des Moines, whenever that was. was wow. Early April. Not that many months ago. Five, six months ago. That's incredible. Yeah, Rob, thanks a lot for giving us time, man. We always love it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week, okay? Sounds good. Thanks. All right, safe. buddy. Rob Howe from HawkeyeNation.com. Check out all of his great work there. Gives us terrific insight every Saturday. We'll plan on him uh, joining us again next week after Illinois. 284. Time victory over Northern Illinois, 21-14. to Actually, I said that's a final. Travis, that's not. That game is in the second quarter. San Diego State up seven there. Let's go out to uh, West Des Moines. That's where Steve is. Steve, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Thanks. Hey, uh, full disclosure, I'm an Iowa State season ticket holder, and comparative scores, you know, aren't always exact, but Iowa State would put 38 points up in regulation against Iowa. Penn State, what did they score against Iowa? Not that many. Iowa State only got seven points against Texas. Is it just that Iowa's not that good? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's fair, at all, Steve. Uh, I think you. I don't think I'll give you this, Steve. I don't think I was as good as I thought they were going to be this year. Man, I didn't think they'd take Penn State to the wire like that. That's fair. I thought that Iowa State was going to give Iowa a hell of a game. Um, I, I think that this Iowa team has performed about what I expected. This game was a disappointment, and you had a couple of turnovers in this game. You had a couple of key penalties. 
So, I, yeah, Steve, I don't, I don't think that's fair at all to say that I was just not a very good team. Uh, you know, you go get Illinois. This, this team's going to go to a bowl game. You hope. Oh, I mean, if they lose to Illinois next week, you're having a completely they're, different show. You, the you're the one who's been telling me there's no way they they're lose not, to Illinois. I mean, I'm just, I'm <laughs> so th- how, where are we? I'm throwing they, that I mean, out there. I, Iowa State put up 38 points on them, right, in regulation? Yes. And what did Penn State put up? Uh, Penn State put up 21. It's one of the and, best offenses in the country. Hold on, now, hold on, Steve. Let's rephrase that. One of the best teams in the country put up 14 in the first 59 and 59 minutes and 58 seconds of but that game. But are they one of the best teams if Iowa State put 38 points up on Iowa? Who says they're one of the best teams? You're, you're moving the field goalposts on me, Steve. If, if, if the comment is Iowa's not a very good team, I'll disagree with that. If the comment is Iowa's one of the best teams, I'll disagree with that. You can't have it, but you can't you can't fight both ends of that straw. But they gave up thirty eight against Iowa State. I regulation. So what? You, so your point is because they gave up thirty eight to Iowa State, they suck. But but the fact that they held Penn State to twenty one means what? I mean, what what, fa- what have they scored in the last two games? They've scored a total of twenty nine points in the last two games, Steve. And they're zero and two in the Big Ten. Yes, they are. So they're not going to be in the championship game. Uh, that's not. I wouldn't that's, say that yet. That's not a fact. <laughs> Want to bet? That's not, Steve. You're cha- you can't. You can't do this. You can't make a statement. And then when you're, are they going to beat Wisconsin? They might beat Wisconsin. You're going to tell me they're not going to beat Wisconsin? They just uh, took Penn State no. to the wire, Steve. Eh, Taking Penn home. State to the wire doesn't mean anything, but giving up 38 to or giving up 41 to Ohio, to Iowa State means you suck. Maybe. <laughs> Steve? I mean, Iowa State only put up seven on Texas. They scored 38 on Iowa. Well, 41. In a- wow. We're, we're not comparing. Holy cow. You're not hey, you compa- know what? Steve, you're right, man. North Texas scored 14 on them. Iowa must be awful. I mean, North Texas got into the end zone twice, and you only scored 31 points against the mean green. I mean, How good could this team possibly be? It's hard. You can never do an apples-to-apples analysis of this. It's impossible. I didn't think it would take until 10.57 to get my blood boiled. Good job out of you, Steve. I appreciate it, though. Sherry, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Hello. Um, first of all, the last caller, Penn State and Michigan State are both in the East Division, yeah. so Iowa does still have a chance to win their division. And, Thank you, Sherry. And then... Um, I was watching ESPN game day today before um, the game started today, and Tom Rinaldi did an excellent story about the wave and the children's hospital. And if anybody hasn't seen it, that's well worth seeing. And uh, after they got done with that, the Virginia, Virginia Tech Hokies all did the wave um, after the story. Yeah, I saw both Sherry that we saw two of them this morning. Fox Sports did a piece and Tom Rinaldi, and I would say Rinaldi's is superior. It's a very emotional piece. He sits down with Coach Ferentz, and he gets a pretty emotional response from Coach Ferentz. He talks about that very personal story of that million dollar donation. And if you don't know where that came from, they lost a grandchild a few years ago that was born prematurely, um, and. It's, it's, it's heart-wrenching to watch that. And it really 
the, the Tom Rinaldi piece especially tells the stories of those kids that you're waving to. When you turn around and you wave, it introduces you to some of those families and talks about the impact that it has, Travis. Those parents talk about how that moment made them feel like they weren't alone. In You and I both have kids. You've got four kids. I have four of them. That moment where you are watching your kid go through something that you, you know, your worst nightmare can feel very, very lonely. And in that, in that instant, they felt like 70,000 people were remembering them. And the impact that it had for those kids and how it lifted their spirits, uh, I was crying like a baby watching that this morning, Sherry. And I think Sherry was uh, broken up right there, too. So it's, uh, uh, and if you go to ESPN.com, usually they put Rinaldi stuff up. You, you can search it. They yeah, it. you can find it yeah. very easily. Those today. human it's, interest it's, stories, they, like, they get a ton of, ton of clicks this one's worth watching i'll tell you this i showed it to my dad this morning and and the one thing my dad said was that's iowa that's iowa that, that's iowa people and that i feel like that's we all want to believe that iowa is a special place there's special people everywhere okay but this is one of the moments where we can all sit back and go man i'm proud that this is something that belongs to our state and our university Hey, Ross and I are going to be back midweek with the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off pregame podcast on the Illinois game. Thanks to everybody who called tonight. We had about three and a half hours, had a great time. Uh, Ross is going to be in next week for the Illinois game. I'm going to take off, go to Italy for a couple weeks. I'll be back. I'll be back in a couple weeks sometime. Everybody, have a great weekend. We're AM 10.4 and on your smartphone. Available anywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app. News Radio 1040, WHO, Des Moines. More National Guard troops head to Puerto Rico. I'm Carmen Roberts, Fox News. 1,400 more National Guards are en route to the hurricane-ravaged island of Puerto Rico. They'll join the 4,500 National Guard and active duty troops already there. Many of the island's 3.4 million U.S. citizens still struggling through the aftermath of the worst storm to hit there in nearly 100 years. Fox's Mike Tobin is in San Juan. Well, communications are improving. Uh, FEMA just said that 33% of telecom has been restored. you got about half of the water service that is restored. The big problem is still power. Only 5% of the grid is back online. And the commanding general of the Army Corps of Engineers is trying to lower expectations that the lights are going to turn on.